Welcome to Gateway Church's Sermon of the Week, where our goal is to equip the believer to do the work of the ministry. We hope that you enjoy this week's sermon by the senior leader here at Gateway Church, Pastor Chris Monahan. This morning we are talking on the book of Esther, and it is Purim, so tell your neighbor, Happy Purim. Now, I didn't say perm, okay? Not getting your hair curled, it's Purim. And Purim comes from the Hebrew word pur, which was actually a dice that they would roll. And it was basically the day of their destruction. They, the wicked man Haman rolled the die, and that's how they rolled the pur, they would call it. And uh, they, that's how they decided when they were going to uh, bring a, a holocaust upon the Jewish people. How many know that there's been many Jewish holocausts throughout history? And the enemy wants to stomp out the people of Israel. That's been part of his plan all along. I think a good study on anti-Semitism will be eye-opening for you. Uh, Some great books out there uh, by Michael Brown was called Our Hands Are Stained With Blood. If you want to see how the church has oftentimes responded to the Jewish people, uh, it's it's shocking. And it's a good book if you want to just repent. How How many need some repentance in their life? You know, okay. That's one of those books you're like, oh, God, forgive us, Lord. Forgive us for the stupid things that we've done in the past. But I, I just have a few uh, points. I'm, you know, the, the, the story of Esther is big. And so the Jewish people, every year, they celebrate the Feast of Purim. They dress up as royalty, as, as soldiers and princesses. And, and uh, so that's what they're doing in the other room. And they're sharing on the story uh, that is found in the book of Esther. Now, there's two books in the entire Bible that never mention God. And Esther is one of those. Isn't that interesting that this book doesn't mention God? So what the Jewish people would do is on the Feast of Purim, they would actually wear masks. They would dress up. And what they would say is that this is the festival where God is hiding himself and we need to look for God in this day. And I'm going to tell you, in the book of Esther, you're going to see God. He's never spoken about, but you're going to recognize him. And how many know we're in that season today, aren't we? We're like, okay, God. Where are you? What's going on? Right? And this is what the story of Esther is about. Okay, a couple practical things that what we do during the Feast of Purim is that anytime you hear the name Haman, you're supposed to growl. Okay, that's just, it's just go, or you can boo. Okay, so every time I say Haman, all right, that's just part of the tradition. And then there's the hero of our story today. His name is Mordecai. And so every time I say Mordecai, woohoo, whoopee. Okay. And you'll probably get tired of that by the end of the sermon. And I probably will get tired of you by the end of the sermon. <laughs> but we'll pray for one another at the end. So um, in your worksheet, we do have a, uh, a, something to follow along with. But uh, I love the Word of God. And, uh, Father, we thank you for the opportunity to come together and that your word is relevant for us right now, Lord. And I thank you that your word is power and truth. God, that you will ignite hearts, Lord, as I speak today through the power of your word in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right. So I'm going to start today with uh, the first thing I want you to fill in is that there is a couple fire starters in this story. How many like fire starters, right? These people started a fire. And sometimes that's a, a blessing, and sometimes you're like, what did you do? Okay? Uh, it's like this Psalm 23, my cup runneth over. Some people say, what a blessing, but some people say, what a mess, right? Because when you start a fire, uh, we need to be fire starters in this season. And people are going to say, what are you doing? You can't do that. You can't say that. <laughs> Stop that. But I want to talk about a good fire starter, and I want to talk about a bad fire starter. Because the story of Esther begins with the scenario of King Xerxes, and he's having this big party for like eight days, invites all the people all around, and they're celebrating. And there comes a moment where the king is probably pretty lit at this time, okay? He's pretty trashed at this time, him and everyone. And and he just says, hey... I want you guys to see my queen. She is beautiful, all right? Now, this is the scenario, all right? Now, how many know some things just never change, right? All right, now Vashti was his queen, and let's read 
read what happens in uh, Esther 1.12. And it says this, But Queen Vashti, which means beautiful one, refused to come at the king's command by the eunuchs. Therefore the king was very anger, and his anger burned in him. Now many of you know uh, part of what I'm doing is called the name translation version. And so right here in the text you see that her name means beautiful one in Persian. So she was named beautiful one. The interesting thing in the Hebrew... Her Hebrew name actually means when drinking, okay? So if you put the two together, beautiful when drinking. Yeah, that's funny. That's horrible. Uh, thank you. But this set up the scenario so that Queen Vashti would be deposed and they would have a beauty contest. And so that's how Esther, the Jew came into her place in position of power. How many know that we're coming into that position of power right now? Esther is a picture of the bride of Christ. And we are the bride of Christ. And we're coming into that place right now. It's exciting, but friend, it's kind of scary as well. Now, the other person I want to mention here, um, Esther means star in the Hebrew. Her name was Hadassah, which meant myrtle or um, from the myrtle tree. But Esther means star. So if you have a child named Esther, that means star. Someone who is bright and shining for people to look to, for people to be guided. We have Hollywood stars. How many of you know that there are people, you're called to be a star as well. But Esther means star. And Mordecai, it's all right, means crusher of bitterness. And I believe that we are also called to be a Mordecai in this time. Because there is a place in us that we need to destroy bitterness, crush bitterness. And we have so much opportunity to be offended. And I'm going to encourage you as your pastor today that if you get offended, you're going to be a tool of the enemy. And today is a day where we've got to, and again, I tell all the guys, this is a five-year plan where you're able to clean your heart out of all the bitterness, all the crap that's gone on in your life, all the things that have been said, all the lies that have been spoken, all the injustices that have happened. It's easy to get bitter in this season. But there was a man named Mordecai who crushed bitterness in his life, and God gave him victory. We have to go after our own hearts in this season. I am not going to be negative and bitter and hateful, friend. I won't be but I am not going to be silent either, okay? Because I'm going to speak the truth in love. Just That's what we're called to be. That's who Mordecai was. And how many know Mordecai was a fire starter? He started fires. And God's called you to be a fire starter, but you can't be a fire starter if you're in bitterness. You know, there's movements right now that have been founded on bitterness, and they're, at, they're doing so much destruction in our society. And the church is not a movement of bitterness. The church is a movement of forgiveness. A church is a movement of reconciliation. But our church is a movement of God's truth as well and God's power. And we're not going to compromise truth. We're going to stand in truth. And so this is the story about the other fire starter in our story. It says this in Esther 3.2. All the king's servants who were in the king's gate bowed down and paid homage to Haman. It's interesting. I like the growl. Thank you. His name means noisy. How many know in today we have some noisy Hamans that are going on in our society? They're not silent. They're making a lot of noise. And they want us to bow down to them. How many have noticed that? You will bow down. And see, this is what Haman was about. It says this, for the king had commanded concerning him that, and this is again, the king himself commanded that everyone bow down to Haman when he walks by, right? Somebody know there's some things in our government right now. They're asking us to bow down to some Hamans. And we have to resist because there was a man by the name of Mordecai. And we read about him, but Mordecai did not bow down or pay homage to him. He had no bitterness in his heart. You have bitterness in your heart. We can't be angry at the left or angry at the liberals or angry at those that are defying our nation, our government, our church. 
that are standing in unrighteousness. We can't hate. We can't be in bitter. But when they ask us to bow and pay homage to them, I'm not bowing. I will not pay homage to the Hamans of our society. Now, if you think about the story about Mordecai, if, if, he, if he submitted and bowed down to Haman when he walked by, we would never have the story of Esther. If he would have been silent or if he would have took a bathroom break every time Haman's coming or just avoided the whole topic. But you know, he didn't. When Haman walked by, he stood. And everyone around him noticed that he was not bowing down to this evil man. And we need to be, we need more Mordecais in this season, amen? You know, some people have told me, Pastor, stop talking about politics in church. You know, people have told me that. You're starting a fire you're starting problems. The problem is, is that politics has invaded the church arena. You hear me? I'm not going after politics. Politics came into the church. So if politics stayed out of the church, I'd be fine. But you invade my territory, I'm going to speak out against you. We have to. We have to stand up against this spirit. And we do it in love. Come on, we do it in love. We're not afraid, but this is a new season for us, and we cannot bow down to the things that the world wants us to bow down to. The second thing I want to say is that we, we see that there are fire starters, and the next thing I want to say is we need to have staring eyes in this season. We need to have focus in this season. We need to seek his face and his book, not Facebook. Come on. Because what's happening is, is we are being reprogrammed. Our children are being programmed. Uh, we're being programmed with a narrative that's not true. They're trying to program us with a narrative in our society right now that we need to oppose, that it's an unbiblical narrative that's destroying the foundations of our nation. But God is raising up Esther's stars to shine. And we need to have the same focus right now. And so I want to read Esther 2.7. And this was uh, Mordecai. He brought up, and this says, Mordecai brought in Hadassah, that is Esther, his uncle's daughter, for she had neither father or mother. Now I want you to think about this. Esther had no father or mother. She was orphaned. And Mordecai raised her. What a good heart. Man, all of you who have adopted children, I just want to say bless you today. Anybody in the house has adopted children? Come on, bless you, bless you, thank you. Come on, let's give them a hand, thank you. You are some of my heroes, by the way, I cheer you, wow. Mordecai, that was his heart. He raised Esther, and there was a beauty contest to be the next queen, and Mordecai got her in, come on. And so it says, the maiden was fair and beautiful, and when her father and mother, uh, and when her father and mother were dead, Mordecai took her for his own daughter. So Queen Vashti's actions made way for Esther to come into that place of prominence. And I'm going to tell you this, that there is some unrighteousness going on, but it's so to expose the enemy's plans so that we get the position God's called us to have. So when stuff is happening, it's okay. We're striving for that position. We are standing for that position, and we want to keep our focus on Jesus in this season, never losing focus on Jesus. It says this, many ma maidens were gathered, Esther 2.8, many maidens were gathered together in the citadel of Susa. Esther was taken into the king's house to the custody of Haggai, keeper of women. Now, interesting, as we've done this study of name, the names, Haggai means meditation. And I want to use this as kind of the meat of my message today, because I believe now is the season for us to start meditating on God's word, his promises, and who Jesus is. This is such a time for us. We can't be distracted anymore by the messages that are coming through that demonic thing called media that is hitting us 
Google and YouTube and FaceTime and Facebook and Twitter, all these, they're trying to be the influence over us. And we need to be those who meditate. And can I tell you, I I love information. I love to study. I love to read a lot. And so I feel like I'm pitching left-handed here this morning, and I'm not left-handed, because meditation is not something that comes easy for me. Anybody else know my pain here this morning? I'm a, I want to do a lot. I want to get a lot accomplished. And God says, slow down. I'm like, ouch, really? Uh, Brian Simmons, when he was teaching in the jungle, he would teach, started teaching on the book of Romans, and he was teaching on Romans 8 one time. He got through the first verse, said, we'll see you guys next week. They came back the next week. He said, let's go on to Romans chapter 2. And they said, I'm sorry, Pastor, we haven't got Romans 8, 1 yet. Can we go over that again? Yeah. Like, what? We're Americans. We need to give you as much information as possible. Doesn't matter if you get it or not. We just want you to have it. Not a good plan. So, hey, guy, remember, Esther was in charge. Was, she was uh, put under the care of Haggai, or put under the care of meditation. And when we meditate, there's something that begins to happen. When we begin to meditate on his promise and, and meditate on what God is saying, that's when it really gets inside of us. Now, what happened with Esther is she was getting all these you know, oils and preparation to go before the king. She had one night with the king. I know this is kind of like a rated R story here for church this morning. Uh, you know, it's interesting that this story is even in the Bible. I just think it's, it's kind of interesting. And here Esther was preparing to go before the king. And I love what this says. It says this, that when the turn of Esther came to go into the king, she required nothing but what Haggai, the king's eunuch, the keeper of the women, advised. And Esther obtained favor in the sight of all those who looked at her. If we want to have favor, I want favor in this time. I'm telling you. I want God's favor in this time. I don't care about man's favor. I want God's favor. How do we get that favor is we put ourselves under the care of meditation. We slow down. God, what are you saying? And we begin to meditate. This is who I am. This is what you've called me to do. I'm telling you, I'm big on declarations. People say if you talk to yourself, you're crazy. I say, if you don't talk to yourself, you will be crazy. It's so important that we meditate. And when I'm doing my declaration, sometimes I'll just stop and I'll go, ooh, God, I'm highly valued in heaven. I'll just stop and meditate on that and, and let that just get deep down inside of me because I need it. I don't need it up here. You know, everybody, just take a moment. I want you to point to yourself right now. Point to yourself. Okay. All right. Now, most of you went right here, right? You're pointing at your heart. Most of you didn't go like this. Some of you did a little bit, but uh, you're not what you think. You are your heart, okay? That's why you point. You can put your fingers down now. You did really good. But I want you to think about the meditation. Psalm 19, 14 says, May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Yahweh, my rock, my redeemer. May the words of my meditation. And I want you this week to begin to slow down and hear what God is saying to you. I love this. Um, when we look at meditation, meditation on Scripture is like a cow chewing its cud. Okay, that's what meditation is. Actually, uh, it's, so it, what it does is it savors the grass in its mouth before filling its stomach. Then it sits down in the meadow and quietly regurgitates it, reworking it in its mouth before swallowing that. Now, that would not be okay in our culture if I did that, right? And if, it's funny. When you go to an Asian culture, in Asian culture, it's, it's natural. Okay, they don't chew the cud. But they, when they eat, and you, we, we as Americans think, oh, that's gross. But, you know, that actually helps in the digestion process. It's actually probably better for you to eat like this than to eat like this. Just so you know, that was very useful information. Write this down. All right. So the other thing I think is interesting is that the clean animals we find in Scripture chew the cud. Pigs don't chew the cud. They just eat whatever and swallow it whole. 
And that's not what I want you to do when you're reading the Word of God, taking in spiritual things. You don't gobble it down. Sometimes you, you need to stop and regurgitate, especially the hard things. How many know your pastor here doesn't go light on you? All right, I expect you to have some teeth. And I'm not baby feeding you. I'm giving you the, the meat because you guys are hungry. And I, I, I want you guys, I'm giving you the meat, but we have to sometimes meditate on them. I do have a, a video clip. Can we just go ahead and show this video clip? Um, this is beautiful. I just think, can you turn this up as loud as you can? Turn it up. Louder. Isn't that beautiful? You feeling the Lord right now? You feeling the Spirit? See that piece of spit right there? I mean, this is beautiful. Okay. Now, some of y'all farmers, okay, but that's good. Some of, you, some of us have never seen that before. All right, that was good. All right, come on, let's give me a hand. It was good. Sorry. Um, I was reading this, too. How many know Sue Eason? Sue Eason has a new book coming out called Spirit Enemies, okay? We're going to hopefully get that out in the next month. But she talks about chewing the cud. I didn't tell her I was doing this. But she says, we as God's people sometimes don't understand a Bible teaching, so we chew the cud. So if you don't understand your pastor, go home and chew the cud. Okay, we might go back and um, read relating scriptures, asking God to reveal the meaning to us. We break it down into smaller pieces so that eventually we digest it. So if you feel like you're choking on what the pastor's saying, you just may need to go home and regurgitate it and stir on it. Go sit in the field and just like chew on it a little bit more, all right? Because sometimes God's stretching us, and we don't like the idea of being stretched sometimes. You know, you pour new wine into an old wine stand, it starts to stretch, and sometimes it's cracking, and it's not the problem of the new wine, it's the problem of the old wine skin. So sometimes I preach, and people get uneasy, and like, I don't like that, I don't know if that's right, God, I don't know, and I get it, I'm like, I could be wrong, but maybe your wine skin is stretching right now, and you don't like it, right? Maybe you need to go home and regurgitate this a little bit, and chew on it some more, break it up into little pieces, and maybe then it'll make sense. But I could be wrong, too. I'm okay with being wrong. That's why I keep writing books, correct my old mistakes. Anyway, but this was really good. So we're talking about meditation. Esther was under meditation, and guess what? It gave her favor with everyone around her, and she got into the king's palace, and she won the beauty contest. That's what happened. That's what we need to do in this season. It's not about being approved on Facebook, guys. It's about being approved by the King of kings and the Lord of lords that when we stand before him, he raises his scepter. He says, come on in, right? That's what the approval I want right now, okay? Because that's where we're at. And meditation will bring us there. Man, meditation will bring us there. Um, there's a cool triangle of uh, meditation. It's called the meditation triangle. And uh, remember when... Uh, Saul fell off his horse and was encountered by the Lord. And it was these three questions that I think are really good for meditation. You might want to write these down or take a picture of it. The first question, he said this, he says, who are you, Lord? So when you read something, you go, okay, Lord, who are you in this scripture? The second thing we should ask is, God, who am I? According to the scripture I'm reading. And the third thing is, God, what shall I do now? I'm telling you, there's such power in meditation. There's much, so much power because prayer is not just a, a monologue, it's a dialogue. And giving the Lord, Lord, I want to hear you. And so meditation actually gives us the opportunity to do that. And I would tell you, the first thing you should do in, in your day is not look at your phone. If you can avoid it, don't look at your phone. Because we want to get programmed. The first thing you eat affects you the rest of the day. I believe that. I think it's the first thing every day. We need to carve out, if possible, Okay, some of you might meet with God at night or whatever. But if possible, the first thing, get meditating on the Word of God and allow that to be first and foremost. So here's a little bit. Uh, the Lord spoke to me a number of years ago uh, as I was studying. You know, I, I'm the product of an alcoholic home. So my dad was actually the town drunk until I was about 10 years old. And uh, there was a lot of things that were going on in my life that I couldn't put my finger on. Uh, I always greet people, hey, man, I'm screwed up like you are. That's my greeting, usually, because as a pastor, I think some people are like, ooh, you're a pastor. No, no, no. Remember, I'm screwed up like you are, all right? And what happened was, you know, 
being raised in an alcoholic home, there's effects that happen when you're a child in an alcoholic home. There's a child when you're a child of drug addiction or in a home of abuse and other things. It affects you until we get to that place of healing. How many want to get to that place of healing where all bitterness is crushed in our life? That's like we want to be Mordecai's. We want bitterness crushed in our life. And this is what I've been going after this year in my own personal life is that the peace of God And again, if you understand the meaning of peace, peace means to literally crush chaos. It's not peace, it's peace. I don't know, how can you say like peace, like just peace, you know, peace, I don't know. But I want a new word for peace because it's it's powerful. And I want peace to to govern my life so that any situation around me is crushed, any chaos around me is crushed. And that's what the shalom of God, the peace of God, does John 2021, which is our scripture of the year 2021. John, look it up. But I want to talk about the mind because the mind can be divided into two parts the conscious mind and the subconscious mind. So if I would break that down, the, the subconscious mind is like everything you don't see on the computer, everything that's working behind the scenes. The conscious mind is what comes up on the screen. How many know if your computer is messed up? It's probably not on the conscious mind. You probably have no clue what's going on. It's somewhere down in the code. So we have to recognize the difference between what we're seeing and subconsciously. There's two minds, I believe. It's the subconscious mind and the conscious mind. This is good. So in the book of James, he speaks of the double-minded man. What's that mean? That means there's conflict between your conscious mind, what you know you should believe, and subconsciously what's really going on. Oh, this is good. I think somebody's going to get this this morning. So then we have a conflict because what I believe to be true, my subconscious mind is disagreeing with my conscious mind. And we don't even understand what's happening. The double-minded man is unstable in all he does. Think about that. Because there's disagreement between what's conscious and what's subconscious. And so it says this, that we have to bring the subconscious mind into agreement. How do we do that? Meditation. Meditation will reform your mind, your subconscious mind. That's what makes it so beautiful. When you believe and continue to confess and stand on the truths of God's word, you become a different person. But it can't stay up here. It has to get down into our hearts. They, They say that we miss God by 18 inches, which is the distance between your head and your heart. And how do we get the truth of God in our heart, but it's through the power of meditation. So the subconscious mind relates past experiences and information to present experiences. And we have to reprogram, let go of all bitterness of our past so that our current circumstances aren't affected by the bad stuff that has happened in our past. This is why we do uh, ancient past ministries. And so it's important that we understand that that our conscious mind is just what we see, but our subconscious mind is also affecting us. Meditation on the Word of God is vital to renew the subconscious. As we meditate on biblical truth, the subconscious will receive it as truth and then fix its goals to accomplish the truth that was inputted into it. So, for instance, I used to do ministry with a guy who was a football coach, and he, he said this. He said, Chris, what's your, he said, this is so true. We talk about what we say and how it affects somebody. That if you focus on something negative in your subconscious, your subconscious mind will actually focus on a negative thing and you'll end up doing what you're not supposed to be doing. So what happens is if if you go to some conferences and they try to teach men not to lust, they talk about lust and how bad it is. Men end up lusting because they're teaching you to, to do a negative But your subconscious mind just makes it its focus. So if I tell you, don't think about pink elephants. I told you. You're thinking pink elephants. Because the way the subconscious works, it focuses. And so this coach told me, he used to tell his players, okay, it's a big play. Don't fumble. The guy would fumble because he's focusing on a negative. His subconscious mind is fumble, 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 fumble. Don't fumble doesn't get in there. So he began to tell him, hold on to the ball. Focus on the positive. Get this into your subconscious. And so that's the power of meditation. And how many know Esther 
had some great things that she needed to face. How are we doing here this morning? We all right? Am I, am I boring you yet? If you're done before I am, you can, you can leave. Okay, that's all I'm going to say. I'm not going to be offended. Number three, there were startling circumstances that then took place. How many know that we've been in some startling circumstances in our nation right now? Very startling. We're seeing the foundations of our government undermined. We saw election fraud in a horrible way happen that just, it makes my blood boil. Like, my vote doesn't count anymore because this thing has been so twisted. And so there are startling circumstances, and this is exactly what Esther had to face. She had to face some circumstances that were very difficult, more challenging than even what we're facing. Because what had happened is after Esther won the beauty contest and became queen, then the king elevated a man named Haman. And he became his right-hand man. And what Haman did is because of Mordecai not bowing down when he walked by, now I'm avoiding saying the names, what happened was is Mordecai caused Haman to set up an entire holocaust for every Jew on the planet. One man. If Mordecai didn't, if Mordecai just bowed down, Mordecai, 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 Mordecai. This is control now. Trolling all of you. Haman. Oh, this is fun. Mordecai was a fire starter. He started a fire. And don't you think there were many people that said, why did you have to bow down? Or why did you refuse to bow down? Why didn't you just bow down? You caused all this trouble for all of us because you stood your ground. And there's a lot of people today that are going to criticize me and you for starting this fire. Right? When it would be so much more convenient, just keep your mouth shut, Pastor Chris. You guys don't say anything. If, if anyone mentions anything that's politically incorrect, you just keep your mouth shut because we don't want to start a fire. But do you understand, this is God's purpose. It's to start the fire. So I have to start the fire, and you have to start the fire. I'm giving you permission to start the fire. And I will tell you this, it's going to get messy. It's going to get messy. People are going to hate you because you stand up for truth, and you speak it. And we have to be ready for it. This is what Mordecai did. He caused the entire Holocaust to get set into motion. But God didn't allow it. Isn't that good? So we see what happened. Here's Haman. It says, if it pleases the king, let it be written that they, the Jews, be destroyed. The, the king took his ring from his hand and gave it to Haman, the son of lawless one. Okay. The enemy of the Jews. So here we have the, the plan is set in motion. And so what happened was that Esther was called for this time, for this season, to stand up. And Mordecai began to call upon his adopted daughter to do something. And Esther was hesitant. How many know we have a lot of hesitant Christians today? And I am not accusing or angry at them. I understand there is a lot of pressure on leaders and believers and Christians today, especially for if you're in the spotlight. There's a lot of pressure. But we need to be praying for our leaders and praying that they'll go ahead and start the fire. I'm telling you, I, there are some people I just applaud because when YouTube cancels them, they say, I was waiting for you to do that. What took you guys so long? Like, I'm actually concerned if I'm not canceled sometimes. I'm wondering, am I really standing up enough? Because that's oftentimes the mark. Ooh, these are the Mordecais that are stirring up the fire. Whoa. When the media comes, releases, unleashes hell on somebody, that to me is a sign. Ooh, God's with this person. That's how crazy I am. I don't know. These are the Mordecais that are being risen up. So Esther, who's been put in charge of meditation, is now going before the king. She's fasted three days and three nights, and she's going before the king. And it says this, 
And why is she going before the king? To have something done about this decree that Haman put into place. She wants it stopped. She d- no one knows she's a Jew. The king himself doesn't even know she's a Jew. But she's going in and she says, I don't know if I could go into the king because if I show up in the court uninvited and the king doesn't raise the scepter, I'm dead. So she put everything at risk. And God is calling the church to take some risk right now, okay? He's calling us to take some risk. This is so exciting. It is such an exciting time, I'll tell you. And we need to rise up and do this. This is what every great person wouldn't be great unless there was a situation like this that had happened. You would have never heard of Moses if you didn't hear of Pharaoh. You would have never heard of Mordecai if you didn't hear of Haman. Yeah, you didn't know what to do right there, right? Whoa. Yeah, I got you. All right? So, and it's the same way. If, if we didn't have to face what we're facing right now, it wouldn't give us the opportunity to rise up and to be great in this season. Do you guys ever hear of Alexander the Mediocre? Nope. You know why? Because he was mediocre. So I never heard of him. So it's time that we step into that place. And Esther did that. So she fasts. She goes before the king. It says this, when the king saw Esther, the queen standing in the court, she obtained favor in his sight. How many know we need favor with our king in this time? That's the priority. Not the destruction of our enemies, but favor of the king. Not winning governmental battles or court battles or legal battles or governmental things. It's all about getting the favor of the king. And do you have the favor of your king today. Do you have it? And if you don't, get it. If you you have some things you need to be meditating on that bring you into truth and alignment with his kingdom so that the scepter will be raised when you walk into his presence, come on. You need that favor. I need that favor. That's our priority in this season. So she goes before the king, and the king held out to Esther the star and the golden scepter and was in his hand. So Esther came near and touched the top of the scepter, bringing the approval. And scepters represent authority. And then in Esther 5.3, it says, Then the king asked her, What would you like, Queen Esther? What is your request? It'll be given to you even to half of the kingdom. How many know that's a good day right there? When God says, the king says, Yeah, up to half my kingdom. It's pretty good. I'll take half your kingdom. That's probably what I would have said. Yeah, I'll take half the kingdom. Now this is where the real character of Esther shows. And this is the thing I really want to highlight to you, because I know I've skipped over a lot of what I normally preach on, but these were startling circumstances, and this was how her stardom was fulfilled. Esther became a star at this moment. How many know God created you to be a star for him? He created you for such a moment. So you can fill this in on, on your worksheet, stardom fulfilled. I made it really easy for you on your worksheet today. Everything says star. I'm so nice, aren't I? So what happens? Philippians 2.15 says this. I love this scripture. It says, Be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as stars in the world. And this is the picture. You see yourself that God wants you shining in this dark world. Shine star best in the darkest times. And so it's time for you and I to shine. Now what amazes me about Esther. Here it is. She's offered half the kingdom. What does she have on her mind? She's been fasting for three days. She's, she has this on her mind. My people are going to be destroyed. When the king asks, I, I want you, I want to give you half the kingdom. Esther, what is it you would like? Now, come on, think about it. You're Esther. What would most of us say? Oh, king. Oh, my gosh, king. We're going to die. We're going to die. Stop the plan, stop the plan, stop the plan. You know what? She doesn't do that. You know what she says? I was thinking of having a party, and I was wondering if you'd come over for lunch, you and Haman. We're going to have a party. Really? Esther, really? The world's about to be destroyed? The Jewish people are about to be decimated? And you invite the king over for some snacks and some hors d'oeuvres and some cookies, really? Really? That's confusing to me. 
But why? Because the most important thing on Esther's heart was her relationship with the king. Not the final outcome, but her relationship with the king. You hear what I'm saying? There's a lot of things we want to see resolved right now. But we got to have a relationship with the king. You may think you want Jesus to crush every wicked person in government right now. But you just may need to invite Jesus over for some cookies instead. (laughs) That's what I love about the Bible. If I was Esther, I would have been like, here's the gun for Haman. Can let's take him out now? Right? No. So she invites the king and Haman over for some cookies and some bread. They have this big feast. And they're eating and they're dining. And they're having a great time together. Haman's stuffing his mouth and thinking, wow, this is great. And the king's like, oh, this is really nice. And, and so then the king says again, Esther, tell me. Make your request known to me up to half my kingdom. Okay, Esther, it's your moment. Come on, Esther. What'd she say? Yeah, I was wondering if maybe tomorrow you'd come back over for some cookies and some, some bread and some appetite. We'd just have a party. What? Do you hear how crazy this sounds? She has the king right there. This is the second time he said, up to half my kingdom, what do you want? And what does she say? I just want fellowship with you. And this is the season where you and I can't get distracted with what we want to see happen if we don't have the heart of our king as first and foremost in priority. God, I just want a fellowship with you. King, I just want your fellowship right now. Come on over. We'll spend some time together. That's what I want more than anything else. All hell can all break out around me. I just want... Would you come back over? I'll tell you, that just blessed me. We can't allow what's going on around us to forget that that is the key, is having fellowship with our king. To get to the end of the story, we finally see it the next day after she throws the party, she finally spills the beans, okay, and lets him know, king, My people are about to be destroyed. And your right-hand man here, Haman, he set that all up in motion. I just want my life. And he is set to kill me. And so the king immediately decides Haman is going to the gallows. Now, if I invite you to gallows here in town, it's a nice thing here in Richmond. I'll go to the gallows, sure. I'll have spaghetti and veal parmesan, and that's not the gallows that the king was talking about in this story. This was a little bit different, just so you know. We find that Haman and all his sons hung on the own gallow that they built. And this is what's happening right now. Our enemies are building their own gallows that they themselves will hang upon. Now, when Esther pleaded with the king, please, king, break this edict that you made. You know, there's some things that have legally, that are binding, that cannot be changed. Maybe that's what's going on in our culture right now. We look at that, we see there's been some legal decisions that have been made that we think, Oh, that's, that's legally binding. How is that ever going to change? And I think it's interesting because Esther pleads with the king, please break this edict. And the king says, can't do it. It's legal. It's in stone. But I have another idea. And this is what he says. And I believe this is another message for you and I today. It says, the king granted the Jews who were in every city to gather themselves together to defend their life, to destroy, to kill, to cause to perish all the power of the people in the province that would assault them. 
and their little ones and women and to plunder their possessions. In this season, we may not see some things shift legally, but we have now the authority to fight, to stand, and not to give in. There's, there's a different tactic that we have to go about. I'm not encouraging violence. I'm not saying that. I'm just telling you today, we need to have to let our voices be heard, and we need to stand on the God-given rights that we have. We need to stand with the Constitution. And if the government violates the Constitution, then we oppose the government together. That's what we're called to do. And we will fight. Okay? We, are, we will fight and continue to stand for truth because these are God-given rights. And when we stick together as God's people, we will see the victory. We see it's exactly what happened. On the very day when the enemies of the Jews hoped to gain the mastery over them, the reverse occurred. How many are believing for a reverse to occur? Come on. Can we stand together this morning? I'm believing for a reverse to occur. Amen. It's time for something to happen. We see that on the very day that they thought the church was going down, that everything was turned. The Jews gained mastery over those who hated them. The Jews gathered in their cities throughout all the provinces to lay hands on those who sought their harm, and no one could stand against them. Come on. No one could stand against them. Did you know God plus one is a majority? All right? When you stand with the Lord and when you have his favor, we prepared ourselves. We've meditated on his truths. And now we are in line with our king. Our focus is, God, I want my relationship with you first of all because you're speaking to me. And I want your truth to resonate in me so that I can shine like a star. And I love what this says. It says, no one could stand against them, for the fear of them had fallen on all people. See, what's happening and what is about to happen, I can tell you, I'm seeing trickles of this. But get ready, because the fear of the Lord is coming back to America. The fear of the Lord. And it starts with us. It starts with us as the church that we fear the Lord. And the fear of the Lord is to begin to touch people and minister to people. I prayed for a young man, and the Lord had come and visited this man and put the fear of God in him, where he threw out all his drug paraphernalia. No one ministered to him. He just had an encounter with the fear of the Lord, and he got right with God, I mean, the best he could, as quick as he could, because the fear of God, he was hit with it. And man, we need to pray for the fear of the Lord to hit. I mean, let it hit us. Come on. Like, I want the fear of the Lord. I want, I want to fear God in my decision making. And, and the way I treat people, like, God, I fear God. I don't want to, I want to treat God. I want to treat his people the right way. I want to speak what he's called me to speak. And you can't, we can't do it without the fear of God. And can I say, uh, whew. She's not here right now. She's doing ministry there. But thank God for a godly spouse who stands with her husband. I am so grateful that I have a wife that fears the Lord. Because most of the time, what happens is a lot of leaders cater and crash because their spouses are not standing with truth and standing in the fear of the Lord. And friends, that's my wife. She's standing with the fear of the Lord. So I just want to honor her today, even though she's not here, that she's standing with God, fearing God. I couldn't do it without her. And then the amazing leaders that we have in our church. We have amazing leaders and an amazing church that we're standing in truth and we're being bold and we're stepping out and we're going to continue to do that because this is the Esther time. This is our season. We've crushed bitterness in our life. We're going to be meditating. Our focus is Jesus, letting minister to him. And then out of that, Lord, whatever you want to do, we want, we want to see that happen. So 
Here's these three things I want to just mention uh, as we close and as I pray for you. In this season, don't bow to Haman. Don't bow to that spirit that says, you got to give me honor when you're not living right. I'm not giving honor to anyone that's not living right. I'm not giving honor to anything or anyone that's not trying to make a world a better place. I will not bow to cancel culture. I will not, and you don't bow either. People say, well, there's certain things you can't say. Truth doesn't matter what color your skin is, what color your hair is, what shirt you wear, how much is in your bank account. If it's truth, speak it. And if it's a lie, call it out. That's our job. And we're not bowing to Haman. Amen? Not bowing. Nope. Start a fire, go ahead. Threaten me, go ahead. Not bowing. Number two, we need to take a breath and meditate this week. Take some time. Lord, I just want you. Number three, put relationship with the king first, all right? Jesus first, all right? I want a relationship with the Lord. I want to I get to know you better, Lord. And I want you to renew me in this season. And finally, come on, the fear of the Lord coming soon to a city near you. Come on. Thank you, Father. We just bless what you're doing. Thank you for the word of God. Thank you for as we celebrate Purim, we celebrate what you've done in the past, Lord. Thank you for this season. Thank you, Lord, for the spirit of boldness and power and might. Thank you for your Holy Spirit, God, that breathes upon us, Lord, today to empower us, to fill us, that, Lord, we are your people. And, God, in this season that we're seeking you, we're declaring, God, this is a new season for us, and we bless you. And we thank you for it, God, today in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you guys for being with us on Facebook. Remember to share it. Um, God bless you. Have a great week. We love you. Thank you for listening to Gateway Church's Sermon of the Week. Make sure to follow us on whatever platform you're listening to this on. And for more information, videos, sermons, or events, check out our website at igateway.org. Thank you and have a blessed week.